0: James I have an answer for you just waiting for some questions so why don't you come up with a question for the day
1: okay let me ask you this because we brought it up on some other podcast and you I hope it fits my answer the answer is buttermilk for um no, I think I have to build a computer for that one. <laughs> so you ever see Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Buttermilk. Um, you mentioned that sleep hygiene is very important to you. Yep. It's very important to me. Yep. To be honest, I haven't been getting enough sleep lately. So I'm gonna ask the question: how do I become how in general, how does one become more of a morning person? And what what do you mean by sleep hygiene? So two questions.
0: Those are two. All right, so I'm gonna write them down. Sleep. What, what is
1: hygiene? What is sleep hygiene? I know what morning hygiene roughly is. Person.
0: Let me start with the morning person. The I the Let me the, Let me start with the morning person because I have a little bit less to say about that. Not that I have so much to say about sleep hygiene. But um, it is apparently true that there are morning people, early birds, and there are night owls. And that, that is what you it, call a chron- chronotype. Okay, chron- okay, I don't understand that because
1: uh, in the morning, your your brain's just been rejuvenated, so it should be closer to peak performance than at night when you've had a full day of depleting your willpower and your energy.
0: I don't really understand the concept of a night owl. So I am not a, a doctor, nor a scientist, nor a chronotypist of any kind. You're, but a, cre- you're a crepidarius, though. I am a little crepidary today. <laughs> um, but I do know, or I have at least read and interviewed uh, people who profess to know that there are different chronotypes, which is to say that some people have higher, whatever, functioning in the morning, and some people have it at night. Now, that becomes a real problem when if you're a night owl type chronotype possessor, that becomes a a problem if you live in a society that's really built around morning productivity. Um, And that can be penalizing to you. So in fact, there is a movement in some parts of the world, Scandinavia particularly, not surprisingly, that stresses, and this is not just for night owls versus early birds, that stresses that the best way to kind of equalize opportunity for everybody, right? So men versus women, young versus old, uh, different kinds of people have different work you know, abilities or whatever, including Night Owl, Early Bird, the best way to to equalize things as best as they can be done is to create a lot more job flexibility, right? So if you say that, if you want to be an ex, a lawyer, an accountant, and the only way to do that is to be at your desk at 8.30 every day and work until five every day, well, that's going to theoretically penalize some people who are just whose, whose bodies and chronotypes don't conspire to help them do that. And can you switch? quote unquote chronotypes you know I don't know the answer to that question but I'm guessing the answer is it's really look yeah obviously people do it but they're like I'm a morning I happen to be a morning person now I don't really know if I buy that it's purely genetic I think that a lot of it has to do with conditioning I was a kid who grew up in the country kind of in a farmish farmy setting so I would often get a Pretty early to do chores, and you know there were some animals, and da, da da, chop some wood, blah blah. So it may just be conditioning. But I like to get up at between five and five thirty, even now, living in New York City as an adult. And I and well, but I find since you
1: did it for years as a kid. Yeah, I don't know. Got, I don't you I did know if get I'm conditioned. Yeah. to some extent. But
0: I, I do know that my brain, like my peak brain hours for writing, are probably between seven and eleven a.m. Which a lot of people, a lot of writers and artists and musicians well, and other people hear that and they think, oh my god, I, it, I wouldn't even want to get up before ten
1: thirty. I mean. Damn. And Ariely, you know, author of Predictably Irrational and a bunch of other books, uh, The Truth About Dishonesty, I think that was one of his books. He says the brain's peak performance just in general starts two hours after you wake up and lasts for about two hours.
0: I don't know if that's true. That sounds um, believable-ish. I do know that we're only starting to learn a lot about all the things that happen hormonally and otherwise while you're sleeping, right? So the things that – the reason it can be so jarring to get woken up in the, quote, middle of the night is that there's a lot of stuff going on that's, you know, reparation – you know, our bodies are kind of flushing toxins – kind of repairing itself, memories are being imprinted. But look, sleep and our relationship and the relationship between sleep and function, whatever you want to call function, whether it's salary or productivity or creativity, is incredibly strong. And I think that a lot of people who spend a lot of time thinking about philosophy and ideology and diet and nutrition are often overlooking a really basic building block of strength, which is sleep. So that's my one foundational argument about sleep and why it's so important to get um, a lot. And they say the way – one way to figure out how much you need is just to take a period of time, you know, a couple weeks if you can – and just don't set any alarm. Go to bed when you're tired and wake up when you're ready, and that will kind of tell you. And most people, it looks like, really do need, want between seven and nine hours, which is considerably more than many people get.
1: As you can probably guess, Stephen and I have a lot more to say about this topic
0: right after this quick break. This episode of Question of the Day is brought to you by The Motley Fool. Founded with the mission to help the world invest better, The Motley Fool provides simple and easy-to-follow stock recommendations to more than 500,000 subscribers. Each month, founders and brothers Tom and David Gardner issue two new stock recommendations to members for their flagship service Motley Fool Stock Advisor. After nearly 14 years, Stock Advisor is crushing the market. As of the end of 2015, the average recommendation is up nearly 200% versus just under 60% for the measly S&P 500. Why settle for average performance and excessive fees charged by mutual funds? Stock Advisor makes it simple to build a portfolio of stocks. Past winners include Netflix, up more than 6,000%, and Priceline, up more than 5,000%, plus dozens of other recommendations that have more than doubled. Even more exciting, Stock Advisor is set to release its latest two recommendations this Friday, the 15th, at noon. Thanks to a special offer for Question of the Day listeners, you can claim a free trial of Stock Advisor and discover these newest recommendations, as well as all their other recommendations. Simply go to question.fool.com to start investing better. Again, that's (laughs) question.fool.com. So the next
1: question is, how do you go about having sleep hygiene, which is the seven to nine hours of sleep per night,
0: pretty consistently? So for me, and I wouldn't say this is important for everybody, but for me, it's like if I want to be um, a good writer or a good golfer or a good husband, whatever, for me... That's one, a lot of things you want to be good at. I know, and, it, you and when you're maybe, not good at any of them, it's a problem. You can only problem. maybe pick two out of three. <laughs> so for me, what's always important is kind of define yourself as that internally. And so at a certain point, I wanted to say, I want to become a good sleeper. I want to become a sleepist. I want to become a master sleepist. And so part of that is like telling the rest of my family, hey, you know what? Sleep is really just as important as it is to like spend time with you guys and do stuff and have fun and take care of bills and blah, 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 blah. Sleep is like, is, is, makes me who I am if I'm doing okay. And so part of it is being, you know, setting some limits and defining yourself like that. So my kids almost always go to bed after me. They ridicule me. I come in at night to say goodnight to them. I go into their rooms at night to say goodnight to them. My kids are teenagers now, so they're starting to stay up a little bit later. But then um, the room needs to be cool, which scientifically seems to be pretty universal. For me, it needs to be quiet and dark. So I actually will wear earplugs and an eye mask for sleeping.
1: I'll also recommend blackout drapes.
0: Blackout drapes, yeah.
1: Because even if you're wearing a sleeping mask, I've read, I'm not an expert, as, as we are constantly pointing out, the sunlight, the ultraviolet light or whatever, still kind of seeps in. So you need blackout drapes to keep it out. And to
0: that end, one big disruptor of sleep in the modern world is the amount of light that strikes our eyes. And there are a lot of different kinds of light that strike our eyes. So yeah, one, we're you not think used about,
1: to all this light. Like, right. like for 5 million years, we had no light at night.
0: Yeah, I would think you, for all your evolutionary arguments, you would find a lot in yeah. kind of retro versions of sleep. That's why you
1: have to kind of recreate that type of environment where it's like you shut down when when the sun goes down and you have blackout drapes to keep out all the artificial lights from the street. And but so did you on. know
0: that in the olden, 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 olden days, we are told, at least historically, that there was like a middle-of-the-night awake period? Yeah, I have no problem with that. Right, so people would go to bed like, when it got dark, right? Like, let's say it gets dark at 6 o'clock, let's say, in the late fall or maybe even earlier. And then you'd sleep for like 4 or 5 or 6 hours and people would wake up and they'd do a little, I don't know what they'd do, polish their clay pots or feed the mastodon or whatever and then they'd go back and sleep for a few more hours or do
1: other stuff that's why they all have like 12 children or whatever <laughs> but i i have nothing against multiphasic sleep otherwise in some cases in the winter you're going to sleep 12 hours right. you know in some as opposed to eight hours in the summer so sure
0: there are some sleep experts i know who say that there are certain kinds of light that you want to block or diminish all the time especially you know well at, at night so one reason that screens tvs tablets, phones, etc. are distracting is not only because psychologically and emotionally maybe they take you to a different place which is one form of distraction but also the light and so these people suggest wearing a certain kind of um, light screening glasses indoors. I have night. those. They're you kind know? of like
1: orange and they I don't know what they do. Maybe they filter out some kind of non-orange light, I don't know And have you
0: done any experimentation to see if they really affect your sleep or not?
1: No, the only thing that's really worked is no screen time after 6 p.m., which is difficult to do in our society, but that has had an effect on my sleep.
0: Now, I know that that is the prescription from the National Sleep Foundation researchers and everybody, but I'll be honest with you, it doesn't affect me. So, like, I know that there are a lot of people who, like, can't tear themselves away from the screen or if they read about someone on Facebook or Twitter or they read some emails that it gets in their mind and it really prevents them from sleeping, but I just don't have that kind of mind. My, my family is jealous of me because I can, I'm can, I'm an easy sleeper. So maybe all my advice is kind of crap because I just happen to be an easy sleeper. So
1: I haven't been always an easy sleeper, and sometimes I am and sometimes I'm not, and it really is related to how late is my screen time, how late did I eat, Because you don't want to be at the deepest point of sleep while your body is doing all this heavy digesting because it'll kind of keep you up. You know, that includes like sugar and alcohol and things like that. Blackout drapes, no sound. And also an hour or so before I go to sleep, I start to settle in to the bed and read a book or, you know, no TV time. These are all like really strict, but if I'm really having a problem sleeping, this works for me.
0: Do you have any? um, All right, what's your average? If you know, you probably don't know because the way this. And by the way, sleep data are really hard to come by. We did a we did a couple episodes of Freakonomics Radio about the economics of sleep, which is how I know what little I do know about sleep. So one one thing that we learned was that sleep data, good sleep data, are really hard to come by because for, for obvious reasons, you can't go to bed with every person that you wanna you wanna study. Um, oh really? Oh really? But. Uh, <laughs> Particularly if you're married. But let me ask you this, James Altucher. What would you say is the average amount of time between when you put your head down on the pillow, if you use a pillow, and the time that you're actually asleep? Uh, I would say like, for me, 15 minutes. Okay. So to me that sounds like a long time. Maybe to others it sounds like a short time. So what are you doing for those 15 minutes? You're just thinking?
1: No, maybe it's shorter. I, I don't really know. I I can't. What I can't what tell you.
0: what are what is your mind doing in the interim between when you put your head down and the lights out and when you think you fall asleep? Are you thinking actively? Are you trying not to think? Are you do you count sheep? Any no, version of sheep counting?
1: No. I don't do any of that. Maybe I fall asleep. Or, I like I'm saying, I don't really know. I haven't really thought about it. So
0: maybe you're better at it than you think. Maybe.
1: But I do want to add this. A lot of people always tell me so-and-so sleeps three hours a night and they're amazingly productive the rest of right. the day. S-
0: sleep bragging used to be a big thing. It's yeah. becoming a little less.
1: I actually think anybody who does sleep bragging is mentally ill. So I think if you consistently do three hours of sleep a night or you know, or if you think someone's doing three hours of sleep a night and you wish you could be more like them, that's all just BS. Like it's just not true. I think it's probably so rare as to be impossible. Ugh, I'm so boring. Steven fell asleep. All right, to everybody listening to QOD give us your po- uh, go on to Twitter at, at QOD. Give us your thoughts about sleep. Steven, wake up Well, I think that's the end of all of our podcasts forever. Oh wait wait, you're saying there's another one? Okay, well, right after this we'll hear
0: about it. Hey, don't forget we're doing a live question of the day event on Thursday, January 14th in Brooklyn, New York at the Bell House. For tickets, you can go to thebellhouseny.com. We will be joined by an awesome special guest, a comedian and a commentator and general smart person, Nagin Farsad. You should check her out online if you don't know her work, Nagin Farsad. It's spelled N-E-G-I-N-F-A-R-S-A-D. We are thrilled she'll be joining us and we hope you'll be joining us too. Next time on Question of the Day. Which of the habits that you've adopted Have done the most to improve your life. And what I like about the question is, you know, it's about obviously it's about people who are thinking about improving life, which is always a good place to start. But I also like that it's acknowledging that habits, which are this, you think about them kind of weird, tiny, little automatic thing that we do, actually have huge power for, for good and bad.